Hello and welcome to our live stream on the Facebook site, Your Spiritual Journey, where we talk about many different aspects of spiritism. We have it right here. Please join this group if you'd like to. I also have my other dedicated spiritist group on Facebook called Spiritism in the Spirit World Around Us, and also a blog on nwspiritism.com. And I have a YouTube and BitChute channels. I'll have links in in this video when I am done, I will upload it to YouTube and to BitChute. And also you can go to uh, nwspiritism.com and find links to my YouTube and BitChute channels. And I have lots of articles and information about spiritism. I have information about your destiny, how it is planned out, uh, in NDEs, near-death experiences, other experiences, information on reincarnation, how the whole process works about spiritism, the spirit world, the organization of the spirit world, everything that I can find from spiritist authors, and these are all given to us from the start of the 1850s by Alan Kardec. I will put him up here. It all came, was codified by Alan Kardec in 1850s by the spirit of truth, led a team of spirits to give Alan Kardec messages through via not himself, he was not a medium, but from different mediums in different geographical locations throughout Europe. And he did not use the uh, the answers to his questions unless they were certified as similar or exact from different uh, mediums answering the same question from high spirits. So if you'd like to learn more about Alan Kardec, well, first, the Spirits book is in PDF. So if you'd like it there, you can also get on Amazon or you click on his picture on my blog site and you can find links to his book. If you want to know more about Alan Kardec, I really recommend that you re uh, watch the movie called Kardec. It's on Netflix. It's a great movie. I enjoyed it immensely. It um, should be very revealing to you. Alan Kardec did not believe in spirits. He did not. He he didn't. He thought this was a bunch of you know mumble jumble like I did before things happened to me. That <laughs> said, okay. You better rethink your whole philosophy because you're dead wrong. Same thing happened to him, uh, probably more dramatic. And then he he set a series of 1,019 questions, and he had these answers. And that was just his first book. This is Spirit's book. There's other books. There's a book of mediumship, which is, which is excellent. So I would recommend that to everybody. But what are we talking about tonight, right? This is uh, January 28th, and we're talking about NDEs. We're talking about particular NDEs. NDEs, near-death experiences. And these are in my book I'm talking about tonight, The Spirit World Talks to Us. And what I do is I take near-death experiences, and because it's amazing how many things in common and how Spiritism explains what happened in the background, what was behind the curtain. I remember in the Wizard of Oz, you know, what's in behind the curtain? Well, there was someone pulling levers and doing stuff, right? You could see the outside, but the in in the background, it, it all made sense. And this is what spiritism tells us. It all actually makes sense. It's all organized. It's, there's a reason for everything. When people go to, in their near-death experiences, I always say that's like the, the vice principal getting you out of your, you know, in your junior high or middle school, get, hey, you come out of the room, let's talk for a bit. You're, you're not doing exactly what you should be doing. Because mostly people, they have a life review. Some of them go down into the lower zone, kind of a purgatory type, where they said, this is what's going to happen if you keep doing that. 
Uh, these are all things that happen. And these people come back again and again. They see family members. There's a lot of in common, and it's explained by spiritism. So if you really would like to understand your life on earth, why there's ups and downs, why these things happen to you when it's really not your fault, well, I have news for you. Is something called karma and reincarnation, which are real. Things happen to you because of what you've done in past lives. And it, it doesn't happen to you because you're not being punished. You're being educated. You're being educated to change your personality and your character for the good. God is just. God is love. Jesus, who is, is like the governor of our planet, controls our life, sends spirits, angels, guardian angels to us to help us, is all in charge of this. Jesus knows each of our life's plan. He knows what's going to happen. It's all for your good. It's, you're not going through pain. You're not going through suffering just because of some caprice, right? It, you're doing it because it's edifying. So let's get to what we're talking about because I know that's what people would like to hear. So we're going to talk about Joanna. And the title of that chapter is Joanna Living with Constant Pain. Now, she has lived with constant, with chronic pain, I should say, for many years since her daughter was small. Disability so great that constant agony precluded her from ever holding a job. Only the need of raising her only child kept her alive. She planned to end her torturous existence as soon as her daughter was grown and out in the world on her own two feet. Until at the age of 37, this is Joanna, she had a heart attack. Now, her vision was posted on the NDERF, which is Near-Death Experiences Research Foundation, .org, N-D-E-R-F.org website. It's a fabulous website. I recommend people going through there and kind of looking through. This is different languages, different cultures, countries, races. It's amazing how many things are in common with people's near-death experiences. Now, let's talk about Joanna's story. Joanna didn't just have a period of ill health. She had a lifetime of it. Her daily life burden is, is a burden that few of us could, could handle, if any, if we could survive, right? Joanna explains the start in history of her illness. This is what she says. I'll quote from her what, what she said in the nderf.org uh, website. I started being ill in the early 1980s. Physically, it started about 1983 with my insides. Around 1985, I was hospitalized after I became unable to walk or stand due to a back injury. I received playing softball in 1981. I was told I might never walk again. I was divorced at the time and trying to raise my daughter. So I ended up never being able to hold on to a job due to one illness or another. I found myself on welfare, unable to work at all. After the years passed, my illnesses got worse. In 1987, I lost about 45 pounds in about a three months period. No doctor could find out what was wrong with me. I was finally diagnosed in the early in the 1990s and was told there was no cure or surgery that could help me. Not, mo not much is known about what I have, so I must live life as best as I can. Medication has not helped. I tell you that so when I talk about being depressed, you will understand how and why I reached the depth of wanting to take my own life. I came to know a lot of humil humiliation due to my illness. Being as young as I was and not being able to live a normal life made me feel like I would never have love in my life. 
So once my daughter moved out on her own, I would be alone. There is nobody that is going to want someone with even one of the problems I have, never mind all of them. Now, when one hears about the pain and suffering that is imposed on a seemingly innocent person, the topic of the unfairness of God is never far behind. Spiritism, as well as some other uh, you know, other religions, Hinduism, right? Buddhism talking about reincarnation, but spiritism also supplies the answer, which is reincarnation. While other religions espouse the need for multiple lives and the effect of karma on each life, spiritism fills in the unexplored area and supplies us with actual accounts of souls who have had to pay for previous transgressions. In the book, here's an example. In the book, Spiritual Wisdom, Misses of Hope, we are told of a woman who was a queen more than 400 years ago. She was highly educated. She, she did not spread the benefits of intelligence. She was an unconditional friend of her friends and an implacable fiend to her adversaries. This is when she, her life 400 years ago. She was generous to the wealthy aristocrats and indifferent to the victims of penury. Although she emphasized the advantages of peace, she encouraged the wars of conquest and ambition as much as she could. She was grateful to the obedient vassals and persecuted to the death those who did not observe her directives. She reached the hereafter, loved and hated, and before the truth, she became concerned with her own redemption. Now, we are being told in this spiritual literature that she came back to earth many times to learn humility and fraternity. Finally, she requested one last trial to erase her past wrongs. She incarnated in an infirm and disfigured body through accentuated poverty for her intimate ascension to the greater spirituality. A woman who, through great desire to ascend and pay her debts she incurred in the past life, requested what many would consider a hellish life of poverty and disability. She determined before she entered such a hard life that the short time of suffering was worth the lesson gained. This is what we should keep in mind when we too are visited by misfortune. Our lives on this planet are nothing compared to the eternity we shall spend in the spirit world. Also, this woman, this being to humility, teaches us to be careful what we wish for. What person hasn't dreamed of being a queen or a king? How many of us would do better than the woman suffering through multiple lives of misery to pay for her innermost desire to rule and to be wealthy? Karma does indeed play a part of our life, but the true revelation is that we, as spirits, actively take part in planning our redemptive effort in our next life. So all this I'm saying is the background for Joanna. She's in pain. Well, Something happened in a past life. Now let's talk about the plan. Because when you are in one of the levels of heaven, you are actually going to help plan out, just like that one woman who was a queen, what your next life will be. And again, Spiritism tells us we are all our own most, you know, worst judges, right? We all, we all judge ourselves more severely than other angels and high spirits around us would. So we have to be careful for that. We can't be too down on ourselves. I, you know, it's, it's 
becoming a pure spirit, which uh, spiritism tells us is the goal of every soul here on earth, everywhere in the universe, is a long process. Many, many lives could be hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundred, a hundred million. Who knows how long it takes? I don't know. So let's talk about planning your body. So when I talked about the queen, she was an active participant in laying out her future body and her disabilities. In the book, Memoirs of a Suicide, psychographed by Yvonne Piera, I recommend that book. It's a wonderful book. A group of spirits are told about the planning of a reincarnation by a veteran of reincarnation preparations. This is what he said. The planning of the events relating to a reincarnation will be rigorously studied, firmed up, and revised, always in accordance with utmost justice, in fulfillment of the highest expression of the immortal decree sanctioned by the divine master, which explains all the problems that afflict and bound humanity to each according to his deeds. So, to each according to his deeds. Karma is real. Karma happens. And karma, karma. So let me just talk about karma for one second. Karma, our life now on earth, it's like Joanna's life, her life full of pain, and she's lonely and only with her daughter, was all created by her actions in previous life. Her actions in this life will determine her life, her next life. The next life she will incarnate. Now, some things may go over multiple lives, so we have to take that into account too. But if you want to make your next life better, and you don't want the tragic and the up and downs and the you know the vicissitudes of this life, try to be steady and good. Try to follow the golden rule, and your next life will be much better. You've all seen people who seemingly sell through life. Nothing bad happens. They're nice people. They try to help other people. They are on earth and they are probably their mission is mostly to help other people and be an example, you know, that kind of shining light on the hill that other people say, act like me, your life will be better. And in fact, even medical studies have done people who are spiritual, people who believe in something higher than themselves are healthier mentally and physically and they live longer. Your stress level, and I talk about this in my book, How to Live, Inner Peace of Spiritism. When you don't follow your conscience, <clears throat> your stress level gets higher. When, when you do something, when you rationalize away, and I've, I've done this, that, oh, I shouldn't do that, but yeah, I want that money, or I want to do this, or you know, I want this, this pleasure. No, it, 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 it's not worth it. Follow your conscience. Follow that, that governor in your brain. And if you feel bad when you're doing something, you know that's wrong. So let's talk about planning your body. So our plans begin what, with what we must pay for in our previous life and what we wish to learn in our next life. Now, not everything is a result of karma. Some things are just broadening your horizon, right? Because to, to uh, rise in heaven and become a pure spirit, you need to Get rid of your primitive emotions, replace us with, with good emotions, love, charity, fraternity, and honesty. But also you need life experiences. Now, why am I saying that? And I go over this much more in my other books, but very quickly, because as you go higher and higher in the spirit realm, thought is action. What you think will create. 
The spirit world is a subjective environment, meaning you create your environment. Now, you don't create the environment in a vacuum because you have other spirits around you and every and then you are placed by the law of affinity with other spirits who are like you. Therefore, it's kind of a uh, an agreed upon environment. And also it could be an environment set by higher spirits for you. And then as you learn and more and you go higher and higher, you have more control over your environment. When you're in the lower zone, which is a type of purgatory, you have no control. Just like here on earth right we have no control this is a an objective environment meaning that a wall is a wall right a picture is a picture we can't put our hand through that picture at least you know without ruining it so let's go back our body so when we're planning our body it's it is as if we are in high school looking through all the college catalogs that have finally arrived attempting to ascertain what our future will be now, the basic conditions of future life plan, uh, planning are explained. This is what they say in, in the book, uh, Memoirs of Suicide. Normally, candidates for reincarnation choose their own trials, the acres of thorns that will decelerate their days of their earthly lives and where they will get the chance to amend the consequences of their guilty past. They themselves will beseech the guiding powers for new opportunities that will enable them to demonstrate their repentance and their desire to enter a redemptive path that will offer them the chance to correct the inferior impulses that drove them to their wrongful conduct. These trials can be experienced in a relatively sound body, if the mental suffering is extreme, or in a deformed body, or in one stricken by an incurable disease. It all depends on the extent of the offense and the demerits involved. Incurable disease. Joanna has an incurable disease. Now that lecture was given to suicides, which is why the choice of a sound body with more experiences for learning than trials for payment was not covered. However, the concept remains, we ourselves will direct the trials and in what type of physical covering we shall inhabit for our next life, those who were in some level of heaven. Now, while, you, while you're listening to this YouTube video, right, with the... Ex you're listening to this with the ears, the eyes, the hair color, the body type that you probably chose. Now, let me tell you something else. There's a, there was that a lot of people, when they're talking about in the books by Andre Luis, Chico Xavier, that they know they don't want to come as too perfect, too beautiful. In fact, this one woman was saying, you know, you. Oh, I don't like my body. You've made me too beautiful. I, I, you know, I have a lot to learn in this life, and I don't want to be affected by jealousy. I don't want to be too desirable. You know, I have things I have to learn. This is this is for me to learn spiritually, not not to be have an easy life or one it's full of strife because there's always something going on because I'm you know I'm this very charismatic person. Same thing with guys. If they're too charismatic, things go around them. So. People, people will pick poor, poor appearing body types for a very good reason. Now, also, let me tell you about what you go through and when they're talking about trials for payment, right? Things like that. Well, when I went to a medium's medium, this is five, six, seven, maybe seven years ago. It's my first one. And I was given, my wife and I were both given a message. And it said that, okay, you're here on earth. And just to let you know, 
in your previous lives, you failed again and again. You were put in positions of power and you took money instead of helping the people who were under your, under your command, under your responsibilities, a better word, and that you have failed, you have failed time and time again. Boy, well, those, those were harsh words to hear. So let me tell you, it, you know, when you're thinking about your past life, think about what's happening to you now and that there's something in your past life that's causing these things to happen to you in your present life. I have a, a book on that. The problem is the solution, which I would recommend anyone who's going through trials on earth to say, okay, these are possible. There's many variations, but there's just give you some uh, survey of possible things that could have could have meant that result in what your trial you're going through now. You can usually analyze the trials that are thrown at you. It's like, oh my God, did I do that, right? For instance, I've been uh, in, in part of upper management in a couple companies that were bought out and I was given big paychecks. Well, guess what? Now, I lost, I always lost it. Now, I wasn't gambling. I wasn't putting drugs up my nose. None of that. I thought I made good stock picks, but they were always somehow bad. And I was, you know, somehow spirits directed me, okay, you're going to lose this. And you can't believe the agony I went over when I lost all that money. And then finally I found spiritism. I said, okay, I understand. I give it, you know, oh, oh, money's not in my future because I, I poorly affected other people. I stole their money. So when things happen to me and someone steals, or I go, oh, yeah, well, I probably owe that person something, right? So that's why when you understand spiritism, you, be, you know, it's not that I'm passive. I'm still aggressive for what I want. It's not like I sit there and take anything. No, but I understand and I'm less stressed about it. Material, materialism, you know, goods don't mean as much as they used to. Not at all. And I live a very modest life. So let's go back to Joanna. God, God bless her. Joanna's life of agony and abandonment wasn't the result of beer, genetic bad luck, or an unknown virus gone wild in her body. It was a result of a planned life, a destiny, all thought out in advance by Joanna and her group of spirit advisors. Now, Joanna's thoughts of ending her trial prematurely reached her spirit mentors. And, of course, there's a big penalty. Don't end your life because it's like, you know, leaving school early. No, you're not allowed to do that. You need to finish it. And Joanna was actually part of, part of setting out this trial. And when they knew her thinking, they sent her an event whereupon she would learn to reconsider her plan to escape her problems. Now I'll quote from her. This is what she said happened. So you can see the spirit world is always watching out for us. Okay, I'll quote. In 1992, I was taken to the hospital in an ambulance. I was informed in the emergency room that I was having a heart attack. The doctors and nurses were a little surprised at that because I was only 37. I was white and I was a female without high blood pressure or high cholesterol. All of a sudden, I started crying because I did not want to die. Death was starting to scare me. In the intensive care unit, relatives came and went. I had not realized what bad shape I was in. My ex-husband showed up in the room with my daughter. He told me not to worry about my daughter because he and his wife would take good care of her because they did love her. That is all I remember of the visit. 
As my ex-husband was telling me that, I was watching what looked like a white coating starting to cover the door I was facing. It was moving from the bottom upward. It slowly covered the whole area so that everything I could see was of the cleanest, purest white I'd ever seen in my entire life. My daughter told me that at the time when she was there with her father, she had thought I had fallen asleep. But all of a sudden, she heard the heart machine beep a long sound, and the line was flat across. They stepped back as a team of about five people gathered around me, telling each other things to do and to get. They closed the curtain, and then she saw someone go into me with the machine to paddle my chest. They were asked to wait in the waiting room, so they were escorted out of the room and were told that someone would be out to the waiting room to tell them what was going on as soon as they could. Now, the end quote. So let's talk about what she saw. As Joanna's sight started to dissolve the physical world into a white haze, her spirit was leaving her body. But there was still a connection between her body and her spirit. That connection is called the paraspirit. In some accounts of near-death experiences, people will speak about detecting a chivalry cord that is attached to them. That cord is the link from the physical body to the spirit. Only when the connection is severed will the spirit be free to roam and the physical body be allowed to die. The cord can stretch to an unknown distance. I think it's a logical cord more than a physical cord. Now, we are all, we are all created by three different elements. We are the spirit, which is immortal. We are the paraspirit and the physical body, which is temporary. Our paraspirit connects from our spirit and it covers our whole body like a transparent diving suit. And it also puts inside, it attaches to every cell in our body. Every cell. Think of this. So we are connected to the spirit world all the time. Now, some, some people like children and some adults, they can, they can have a wider, a wider data link right and they can get memories from past memories some people have past life they can they they have more and especially some children right they'll talk about past lives and then you'll say i have about eight or nine they forget all about it and it's again explained by spiritism because when a child is born they're still connected they're still connected to the to the spirit world more deeply than than we are as adults and they're also connected to their mother till they're like seven or eight because of the blood in the womb is still cir circulating in their own blood cells from their mother. So that's all told to us by spiritual. So that's why there's such a connection between a mother and their child too, more than even we knew, right? So that paraspirit is that connection. Now, as I said before, Joanna's spirit rose from her body. Her spirit's superior senses replaced her physical ones she had gained the capability to peer into another dimensions now let me tell you first when she saw white now why do you see white now in the spirit world i'm sure you've all heard of near-death experiences or other people with visions and they say i saw an angel and it's like this bright angel well that's because things are whiter and bright in the spirit world because the love of god reflects off higher spirits and you see this brightness they don't emanate brightness from their own body it's they reflect because the the higher the spirit the more they reflect the love within the whole environment that's why heaven is such a wonderful place and why so many ndes people go they the angel or the guardian angel say no you you got to go back they go no i don't want to go back because you feel so good in that love when you're in any of the level of heaven 
But they also see this brightness. And that's why there's different levels of heaven. And I talk about this in my book, Heaven and Below. And as each you go each level, things be become brighter because you become less matter and more energy. So let's get back to what, what she said. So she gained, when her, her, her spirit's senses replaced her physical ones, she gained the capability to appear into another dimension. She tells us what she saw and felt. Now I'll quote from her. Meanwhile, I was engulfed by the best feeling I ever had in my life. I was continuing further and further, deeper and deeper into that feeling of where I was. Never had I seen or ever even imagined a place of such purity and peace. Serenity, tranquility, and a calm I'd never known before were present there. I could tell there was no illness, no pain or suffering of any kind there. Nothing at all negative was anywhere in the area, nothing bad or evil. The more I looked around, the better things seemed to become. I do remember feeling and saying aloud, ah, because I was awestruck. As I looked ahead, <clears throat> as I looked ahead, I remember feeling I saw the softest whiteness I'd ever seen. It was spread out as far as my eyes could see. It seemed to go on for miles in length and width. Now, let's stop there for a second in the middle of what she said. You see how serene and wonderful and loving she felt in heaven? Now, imagine if you have some character flaws. Ah, you're kind of like envious. You, you, you've lost, you lose your temper easy, but you're still a good person, but you had these character flaws. Do you think you would remove those when you're in this wonderful land? They would be inside your body, but they wouldn't be surface because you were surrounded by this wonderful environment. You felt so good. It would, it, it would never, it would never trigger those responses. Now you understand the need for earth. We come to earth for us to go through these trials to trigger these primitive emotions. So we can look at them. We can say, Oh, I got to get rid of that. I, I was mistaken by being mean to everybody around me. I, I shouldn't be superior and snobbish to everybody. I should be humble. That's why you're on earth. This is why the spirit world, this is why God created the physical universe so we can change ourselves. When something bad happens, so you should say, now I know this is really hard, right? Because I don't even do this most of the time. It's like, oh, okay, I understand. I, I probably deserve that. What do I have to learn? So anyway, let me carry on with her quote. I was amazed and kept looking ahead, and I started to see a light bluish-gray color in the bottom of the soft whiteness. As I drifted on, I started to make out the, that the color I could see was really the silhouettes of many people together, big, small, young, and old. No one was of any race because they were all silhouettes. There were many of them here, so many that I was not able to count them. There was a sense of unconditional love all around. So the overwhelming love that she talked about has been documented in countless other near-death experiences. In addition, the brightness and inability to distinguish forms and shapes is all in company's white light, which I've talked about before. So, and now let's just, just repeat so everybody understands. The amount of light in any one level of heaven or even lower spheres where there is less light depends on the spiritual advancement of the souls residing in each sphere. 
For example, a spirit who has left his or her body, who for reasons of their attachment to earth still reside in the lower zones, or umbral, as it is called in Portuguese, is not able to wander into the higher spheres, for the light is too bright. In essence, the atmosphere is too uncomfortable for them to ascend to a level that they are not ready for. Now, Zabdiel, a spirit who lives on the 10th level of heaven, reveals how souls are assisted to slowly rise out of the depths of purgatory, which is called the abyss in spiritual literature. And he talks about this in book two of the book, The Life Beyond the Veil, called the Highlands of Heaven section. And of course, I have all this book, all this information in my book, Heaven and Below. He tells us that a soul must spiritually advance to be able to discern the environment in which light is dominant. Here's a quote from him. Light and darkness are states of the spirit, as you know. When those dwelling in the darkness cry for light, that means that they are become out of touch with their environment. So we send them what help is needed. And that is usually direction by which they find their way, not into the regions of light where they would be in torture and utterly blinded, but into a region less dark and tinctured by just so much of light as they may bear until they outgrow that state and cry in their longing for more. Now, Zantile told the Reverend Jivao on how spirits rise toward the light, which means spirits who desire to advance must internalize love, charity, fraternity, and honesty among their fellow travelers. Only those who have love in their heart are able to withstand regions where light and love engulfs all. This is where Joanna traveled. She was taken to a higher region where she was unable to see very well because of the brightness of the atmosphere, a glow which was unfamiliar to her in her present state, but where her spirit friends and mentor resided. Now, all of us have gone through this process. At one time or another, we have walked in the lower regions after death, after living a life with many regrets. Slowly, our spiritual guides assisted us out of lower regions. According to Spiritism, we all started out as immature and ignorant souls who were required to climb up the ladder of knowledge and love. Hence, when physical death occurs, a soul travels to the region where there are others similar to him. When a mean-spirited person lives amongst like-minded caustic people, the experience gets old fast. It's called the law of affinity. It is the spirituality's method to let us know if we really enjoy living with people just the same as us. All at one time or another discover there is a better way. They begin to understand that they need to allow love to enter, and as they change their attitude, they also transform their composition. Now, as spirits rise from the lower levels to each successive stage in heaven, they become lighter, less dense, and brighter. As spirit glows from the reflected love they have absorbed. Zabdile, the high spirit, explains the process of moving from a lower region to a higher sphere. This is what he says. And this is what I'm talking about. You know, spiritism gives us these actionable information, this, this specific, not this haziness of, heaven, you know, you're in the clouds. No, spiritism tells us things. So this is what Zabdal says. When a spirit leaves a dark region for one less dark, he experiences an immediate sense of relief and comfort by comparison with his former state. For now, his environment is on harmony with his own inner state of development. But as he continues to develop an aspiration after good, he gradually becomes out of harmony with his surroundings and then, in ratio to his progress, so his discomfort increases until it becomes not less than agony. Then in his helplessness and approaching near to despair have come to that pass when his own endeavors can go no further. 
he cries for help to those who are able to give it in God's name. And they enable him one stage onward to the, to the region where dimness rather than darkness reigns. And so at last he comes to the place where light is seen to be light and on his onward way is henceforth not through pain and anguish, but from joy to greater joy once you're in heaven and out of the dark areas and glory and glory greater still. So Zadnow explains the process, but he also desires for us to understand that life with others who are also dark and cruel is not meant as a punishment, but as an object lesson. Joanna, through her near-death experience, was taken from the earthly plane to a level in heaven, a sphere where love reigns and light reflects from the heart of those living with harmony with each other. Therefore, Joanna could only detect a fraction of what the environment actually looked like. She could feel the love and soul shapes, but in her present state, that really was all she was capable. So now I'm going to quote Joanna again. I wanted to continue. I wanted to know what this place was. I wanted to belong to it. As I got close to them, it seemed like a white fog was being lifted in order for me to see better and more clearly. About that time, I was being approached by what appeared to be a woman. She came close enough to me to take my hand. I do not know. I felt love for her as soon as I set eyes on her. I got a feeling that she was loving and accepting me too. All the other people stayed where they were. They looked as if they were talking with one, one another. I do not know that. The, I do not. I do not know that the woman and I talked for a while, but I do not remember what we said. Now, Joanna's spirit guide, our guardian angel, most probably spoke at length with her. But Joanna was not allowed to recall the exact conversation, only the memory of the feeling of the encounter. But that was enough. For after their exchange, Joanna was back in her body. I will quote from her again. Then I was opening my eyes and my head was tipped towards the floor. I was trying to raise my head to see where I was, but my head was too much at an angle for me to lift it up. So I looked to my right and there stood a stranger I'd never seen before. He said, hi, you must not be comfortable like that. I will put your head up for you. Then he said, you gave us quite a scare, young lady. The man was the doctor that had gotten my heart started again. I remember not wanting to talk. I felt very sad and empty. I was confused. I closed my eyes because I wanted to go back to the feeling I had just been having. I wanted the whiteness and everything else that was there. But when I closed my eyes, it did not work. So that's the end of the quote. Joanna couldn't will herself back into the land of of love and light, but she brought something back extremely valuable, the knowledge, the certainty that love awaits those who desire and work for us. Joanna tells us, since that day, I do know I have changed my thoughts and feelings about many things. She understood she must complete her trials on earth. She acknowledges that she came here for a purpose, to repair past wrongs and to gain valuable experiences which will assist her in her spiritual quest for perfection. She notified the world in her NDE account. This is what she said. My daughter is the reason I have not fallen apart. She is my walking piece of heaven. I do not think of dying some days. I do think of dying some days. In fact, I do wish I would, but I, am no, but I no longer am able to even think of suicide. I cannot even kill a fly or an ant if they come into my house. I put things that fly out of fly into my house out. The other bugs I've not had a problem with yet, so they get put out too. I'm concerned that suicide may not bring me back to where I went in 1992. She is correct. And I do want to cover everything in my power to go back there when the time comes. 
So no matter how hard or tough life gets here, I will sit here and wait because death is not the end of life. Death is an existence that is different from this one and a whole world better too. So I will wait until my time comes to go. I thank all the people of this website for giving me a feeling of belonging and a feeling of connection to people again. So that's the end of her quote. Joanna's life changed. Her NDE caused her to alter her attitude and outlook on life. She now cherishes life in all living creatures. Joanna is also cognizant that suicide is not a way out of her problems. I believe during her conversation with her spirit guide, she relearned the pitfalls of leaving her body before trial was destined to close. We are told about the calamitous effects of suicide in a book inspired by the spirit Camilo. He communicated from the spirit world to the medium Yvonne A. Piera for many conversations she wrote his life after death biography. In the book, Members of a Suicide, we are taken from the moment Camilo kills himself to years later when he is preparing to re-enter our physical world to subject himself to the required trials to pay for his wrongs and to learn the lessons so he may improve his immortal spirit. The first paragraph of the book takes you to a place reserved for suicide. So this is what happened to Camilo Bronco right after he killed himself. This is what he says. It was the month of January, 1891, when I found myself being held in an area of the invisible world. Its desolate landscape was comprised of deep valleys that were continuously enveloped in shadowy darkness. Within its winding gorges and enveloped in and sinister caves, spirits that used to be men and women on the earth, howled like hordes of infuriated demons, demented by the absolute unconceivable intensity and strangeness of the sufferings that tormented them. That area was reserved for suicides. You are not allowed to leave your body early. Now, there are exceptions, such as a woman who committed suicide after her husband killed her daughter and physically assaulted her. So there are exceptions. I'm not saying this is always true, but generally, generally, don't ever let yourself be, come to that despair because you're on earth. And the other thing these people were said in this hospital for suicide is that whatever problem you have, God doesn't create the spirit world. Jesus doesn't create you to be forever and, and horrible. There's always an end. And they told each of these people, so if you would just wait a week, a month, six months, a year, your trial would have come to an end. Something else would be going on next. But what made you so depressed would have come to an end. And this is why it's so hard, terrible to see people commit suicide because, you know, one time I was walking through the street and I, I saw this body covered and you could tell it was a woman and it was, you know, not you know a young woman just by the i could see the legs out of and i just oh my god and to you know it, you know this is just my imagination but you know she probably committed suicide probably some man was involved who, who wronged her and she let that drive her to suicide please don't do that 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 terrible person either man or woman did to whatever you know other person probably you know is was there to have that lesson given to you because you probably did that to somebody else so just treat them as an actor in a play that had a part to play nothing against you you were just you know that's a lesson you had to learn and don't let that you know depress you so much and 
and listen to your conscience because you know that was wrong. So, from that horrid landscape, Camilo is taken only when his natural years of living would have ended up. So, again, if he committed suicide at 70 and he wasn't going to die till 75, he would spend about five years in that horrid landscape. So, he was taken to the Mary of Nazareth Hospital. It's a spirit colony reserved for suicides, men and women, to recuperate after their ordeal and to learn about their sacred mission to fully live out the life they had chosen beforehand. Camillo found out that running in cowardice from your assigned tribulations in your physical life results in severe penalties. Joanna learned the same thing. They, she was spared the horrible experience of Camilo. She was given the gift of counseling during a pivotal pivotal period in her life. Her friends in the spirit world wished her to bravely complete her trial on earth so that one day she may emerge from her physical body and rise to heaven to be amongst her friends and live in a sea of love. And believe me, her next life, after going through what she has gone through in this life, her next life is going to be so much better. She really picked a tough trial. My heavens, uh, you know, what a brave woman. You know, God bless her. And again, just some people, and there's other spiritist messages. I, you know, this one young man was in a spiritist meeting, and he, he, and he told the, the medium, he goes, I can't go through my life. These trials are too difficult. Everyone's against me, you know, and all these things, which happened to everybody. And the message given to him in the spirit world is, look, if you don't have these downsides, if you don't have it where people plot against you, people take advantage of you, people gossip about you, right? You know, people take money when they can from you, then you shouldn't be on earth because you're on earth to learn these things. So this is why you're on earth is to have these things happen to you so you can understand it. What happened to me, I never want to do to somebody else. Oh, I'll never, you know, I, I won't cheat people out of this because I was cheated out of that. This is why we're here. And again, as I was talking before, when you're in heaven and you're trying to learn these, these lessons that take out these kind of deep primitive emotions, heaven's not the place to do that. It's possible. It takes a lot longer and it's tougher to do. The earth is a great place to really refashion your personality and your character. This is why we have this physicalness on earth. And remember, you're an immortal spirit. You will live forever. The sun will die out, the earth will disappear, and you will still be somewhere in the spiritual universe. The universe is. Who knows what level you will be then? And I want to say one more time, the reason we go through these lessons is when we go up in the spirit universe, we have the power of our minds become stronger and stronger the higher we go. Spiritism tells you stories. I have all this in my, my, my books. Not, you know, not to mention spirit world talks with, uh, with about NDEs, but I also have this in my series of three books, which I would recommend. The first one being Heaven and Below, and then you, and then the spirits in the spirit universe, and then how we are guided by spirits, which gives you the the processes, the organization, how things work. Now, is it everything? No, I'm sure I'm just I learned I'm peeking through a, a keyhole, right? I'm sure there's lots more, but this is more than I've ever read anywhere else. So I just want to tell you that please listen to your conscience. Don't just try to get better by not saying bad things. Change your thoughts because thought is action in the spirit.
So anyway, I want to say God bless to everybody. Please, if you're listening to me on YouTube, I was going to post this up. Subscribe, hit the bell so you can be notified. I'll probably start doing live streams on YouTube one of these days when I get enough subscribers. Please share this, give me a comment, hit a like. And again, also on Facebook, if you can, share this to other groups that you're interested in and spread the word that we there's a place where we can understand the other side of the veil. Good night and God bless.